Tina Bennett, Karen Kanzady, and that's me and Rick Foley. Karen and Tina are attorneys practicing family law. We, we practice throughout central New York and we bring to this show often opposing views on legal issues and social issues that affect our separate practices and life in general. Tina has her main office located at uh, Canastota, New York, and an office in Syracuse. You can reach her at 315-407-DADS. That's 315-407-3237. Tina's practice focuses primarily on father's rights in custody disputes and support disputes. And for Tina, father's rights isn't in area law. It's how she practices law. You might see her at a rally. You might see her at other events promoting um, father's rights in the family as well as legislation that addresses unfairness in the court system. Uh, my office is located in New Hartford and I also have a Syracuse location. You can reach me at 315-724-2900. Um, I'm, I'm an attorney and my, my practice focuses on family law as well, custody and divorce. I also do other civil litigation including labor and employment. Um, I've been an attorney for 35 years and uh, I hope I have something to contribute. Rick Foley, our other our other regular guest, is a, a, a professional tile installer and he's amazing. You can reach him at 315-416-2800. He is amazing. Uh, that's what his wife Tina tells me anyway, but I'm not sure what she's referring to when she oh. says that. Uh, 315-416-2800. I want to give a shout out to to Pisa Regional and all the guys over there. And good morning to our other listeners. Tina? Oh, you forgot about Tim. Tim! I don't know. Introduce. Put it this way Tim the Extraordinaire. Tim. So, why don't we just start with some announcements? Yes. Tim has an announcement. This Saturday, Tim will be performing at. In Waterloo. In Waterloo. So, tell everybody what you're going to do. Well, I'm not exactly performing. I've been asked to come in and, and kind of, you know, just be there with my presence for uh, a drag show. I'm a professional drag queen as well, so I'm going down with my, my crowns and my sashes and and I just kind of be there to represent. Well, what does that mean to the listeners, a drag show? Is it like, do you impersonate anybody, Tim? Well, yes, I do uh, Lucille Ball, actually. Oh my gosh, oh. that's awesome. We gotta go, Tina. We gotta check this out. Rick is like, no way, I Jose. With my mother-in-law and my wife. Oh, they, we went in Fort Lauderdale. My mom said it's fabulous. We're gonna go. They do a Sunday brunch. It's fantastic. No but I, ju- I did. I, I just, I did. Did I not politely say I don't think this is something that I would enjoy? And my mother um, was she like, insisted too bad. That, and she bought these. They were very expensive tickets to go. Um, and we went. And it was and boring. I was like, sorry, but I doesn't yeah but that was weird it wasn't even a comedy kind of thing they were all dressed like they were doing a church service and they were serving you breakfast it was kind of weird it was it was i don't even know how do you describe it 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 wasn't like if you're going to a drag show and everybody's having a good time it was they were in drag dressed like nuns and priests and i know that like in this area they have a sunday brunch as well in the buffalo area and it's pretty much a meet and greet you pay to come and have breakfast with the queens um i don't know exactly what to expect from the waterloo show because i've never been you know performed or been into waterloo i primarily have performed in syracuse rochester buffalo um and the shows that we do 
really consists of female impersonators, um, you know, who lip sync, of course, but they perform prominent pop music, um, dance routines and stuff like that to really entertain and perform for the crowd. It's an actual show. Okay, since we're on this topic about drag shows, have you seen the Netflix series called Pose? Of course. <laughs> All right, now that's talking about New York City in the 80s, 80s, early 90s. Is that really true? It is. Oh, yeah, most definitely. So as a, you don't have to be gay to be a drag queen, but the way they're, per, per, whatever, the way they show the the people that were into drag, they were less than gay people. They were not welcome. Well. Explain that one. When you're looking, I mean, there's a huge subculture within the gay culture, the LBGTQ, RS, all the letters in there. Um, and there's a lot of history, actually, if you really want to study it, on the gay movements um, and gay rights and how it came to be. And unfortunately, within the gay culture, there is a lot of, there's their own biases. And, and really... Yeah, but that show had the one woman, she's like, I'm going to go to this bar. And they're like, "We, you're not welcome. And they actually tossed out this drag queen but they were having shows where they they would it was kind of i mean the show was pretty interesting rick's like what are we watching i go i've been watching while you've been sleeping don't you worry <laughs> they they put on it looked like fashion shows but they'd have to be you haven't seen this karen no oh it's totally interesting because i lived out there and i didn't know there was like this subculture where they called it the ballroom okay no and they had their own i don't know where are they? The posse? It's they like had, their own venue. No, they had their own house of house of Francois. And so they'd have a mother, right? You were like, what is this? This weird mother. You have a drag mom. You have a drag mom. And what they do is back then they'd go out and they'd look it for gives teenagers. Dead mother a whole new meaning. <laughs> yes, they all live together in a loft. So in this show, it shows how this woman said, I'm gonna have my own house. And I was thinking, a house, a house of fashion? No. They would all get together and they would, like one time it was royalty, so they stole the costumes out of the Metropolitan Museum, right? And then they all dressed like the princes and the prince and whatever, just to get recognition, right? Isn't well, that the big thing that yeah, they were talking there, about? There is. I mean, You're like, what, within, Rick? within the drag culture, so to give you a little idea here, there are, we have what are called drag moms, okay? And there's a lineage. So I have a drag mother, in, on, in the area. Her is it RuPaul? Is, no, her name is Diva Divine. Um, <laughs> so what it happens is she takes you under her wing and she teaches you. She mentors, shows you how to sew the gowns, how to walk, how to properly impersonate a woman. And then she has a drag mother. So I have a drag grandmother. And this woman's from Buffalo. She's a reigning champion for these pageants because there are pageants and it, it's a lot of money involved. And so you pass. So, how do these, these people things? find out about these things other than the standard, oh, on Saturday night there'll be a drag show? It's more of like a kitschy kind of thing. It is, it is. I mean, for me, I was always into musical theater. I loved performing. Um, I stopped doing it. Um, you know, I was a very closeted gay. I didn't come out until in my 30s. So I had a son, I had kids, I quit doing theater, I wanted to perform. I had gone to a drag show and I was like, this looks like a lot of fun, I could do that. And really that's how it came about for me. So I started to 
go to other shows and get to know the performers and know who their kind of family were. And I looked for the look that I liked and the performances and who gave real performances, you know, who really studied the art of the illusion. And that's and what it is some for me. ugly, ugly chicks. There are. But for me, it, it's an illusion. I like Rick's that. It's like looking. Rick, so. come on. There's so, so many so, shows. Uh, wait, there's the queen of that, huh? to that To that word you use, money. So do you get paid for, for and who pays you? Is it a, is a corporation like any other beauty pageant? So, so yeah, I mean, they're, so to be a That's professional nice. drag queen, anybody can be a drag queen and go do a show, right? You know, you can dress up and have amateur night. But when I worked, like when I lived in Olean, Rick's I worked, making a face. He's like, you're not getting me. Get away with those makeup brushes. I worked for Veronica Showgirls, okay? <laughs> so Veronica Showgirls, when you become an in-house performer, you get paid a certain fee for performing plus your tips. Then if you become independent, you know, and start promoting yourself, I know like different places, let's say Rain in Syracuse, yeah. they'll want to book you. I've been there. You know, they'll say, hey, you know, we've I've got this rain. performer. I've had, had fun the Rain. You know, so we want to book you. Well, what's your booking fee? You know, I charge this month much, you know, and I look at how far I have to travel. What's the gas cost, you know? And also, I got a lot of money invested in this. You know, gowns, shoes, makeup, accessories, jewelry, wigs are really expensive. And I mean, I make my own. So I look at all that and I say, well, it's going to cost, you know, $150 for me to come perform. Plus I keep my tips. And you get tips. Oh yeah. The crowd tips. You're so, like a dancer. So when you perform yeah. so in a you, strip club, kind of, some so, of them could be pretty raunchy. So when you perform Lucille Ball, what do you perform in terms of, uh, yeah, do you I talk do, or you I do, lip I do sync? Little, I do little skits. So it's all dubbed over. All right, but here, let's hear your Lucille voice. Oh, no, no, I, I lip sync. I do talk to, so I'll do like a little skit where it's all recorded and I'll just mouth Ricky. the words. Um, <laughs> Rick's just blinking his eyes. You know, I've, I've gone down and done Lucille Fest. And I've been all dressed up and greeted people and I've done that in the past. And Who's um, your Ricky? You know, I never really have one. How sad is that? One year I brought my dog and dressed him up as Ricky. <laughs> do you have an Ethel? I do have a friend who does Ethel. Oh, I do. Good. It's that's hysterical. Great. I do. And we do the whole chocolate scene. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's fun. All right, so that was interesting. But that shows Pose. Do you do so, anyone else besides? So I, I got to ask the him. new Modern Warfare. <laughs> <laughs> Call of Duty Modern Warfare. And he's oh, been playing it nonstop. I know. I haven't been playing it nonstop. I haven't been playing it like I want to play it. Every time I start to get into it, I have to stop because. I asked if I checked the dryer. I didn't put anything in the dryer. So I have to stop and put it down. And it of course, Rick has to break it up. Though. But I'm like a little kid with it. It's All awesome. right, so Rick just broke that up. So why don't you tell everybody, Rick, what I did to you on Monday? <laughs> oh, go God. Again. Here we go. This Here was go again. this was a Monday from some other planet. A sadness yeah. in the beginning and a happiness at the end. So start with the oh, happiness. Happy. We'll start happy. She, no, me. She has a different, she must be doing like that core curriculum. <laughs> because I do math in a different way. Um, it wasn't sadness and then happiness. It wasn't like that. It was tragic, sadness, still tragic. Um, and then yeah. go up. Go no, up no, there. no. Come on, Frankie's honey. Funeral. It yeah, started out it, with Frankie's yeah, funeral. Yeah. So that was a rough day. Yes, it really it was. was. It was for a, everybody. And it still is. Yes. Every day. Yes. Agreed. But let's just start Anyways. with that. Because because with Frankie, we'll have a little bit of a law talk. So start 
at the end when I was desperately texting you, hurry up, hurry up, pick yeah, me yeah, up yeah. from court, so hurry like up, this, hurry up this now. Car snafu thing. All of a sudden, <laughs> what's a snafu? After we leave uh, the funeral for Frankie, um, she had to go to work, go to court. So I went home and I worked and did my thing, and um, all of a sudden I get. Ashley is going to bring Tina's car home because Ashley's car was at the house. I'm thinking, well, why would you do that? I did not, didn't quite understand it. Why wouldn't she just ride with me after the funeral to come home? So, make a long story short, it was just like car malfunction, trying to get to wherever you have to get to go, but whatever. So Tina's stuck downtown at court, and it's like 6 o'clock at night. And Ashley's sending me this message, did you leave yet? You need to leave, like all concerned. Everything's <laughs> going and Tim's so laughing, smiling right now. Downtown, and she's in a frazzle. Rick, we gotta stop one place before we go home. I go, okay. We whatever. need to go to Delta Cargo. Yeah, we need to go to the airport, Delta Cargo. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's she bought this crystal from when we were over in Ireland, and it hasn't arrived yet. Waterford. Yeah, and it, it's I'm patient. I can't wait to see it. It's gorgeous what she bought. Um, so I thought that that's what it was. So I'm sitting in my truck, we pull up, and I'm sitting in my truck, and she goes in, and she's talking, and next thing you know, my phone rings, and it's her. She goes, Ricky, I come in here and give me a hand. Uh, I can't get this. So I walk in, and, and this guy is sitting behind the desk. At Delta Cargo. At Delta Cargo, and he's got his arms folded, all comfy, and he's smiling at me, like, got this grin, like, you know? <laughs> and I look down, and I see this cage. So make a long story short, my wife got me two puppies. But Rick didn't know, so he looked down and he told the guy, put him back on the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> and then what did the guy say? He, he was, was hilarious. Yeah, he said, uh, you're, you're, this happens, this is the time of the year this happens. He goes, I see guys like you every day. And he said, the closer it gets to Christmas, the worse it gets. So Rick goes, I, I hate you. So this happens I all hate the time. you. So he, he didn't know what was in there because it was such a quiet. They didn't make a sound. I'm like, they, they've got to be, are they drunk? Are they okay? They What's in there? Rick couldn't even see what they looked like. I didn't like. even look. Rick was so mad at me. I refused to look. I was, oh, I, was I wasn't, it was just a long day. And um, I, I just lost my Rottweiler that I had for 11 years, 11 and a half years. I had to put it down this whole lower unit was starting to fail really horribly. So I'm, I was mourning him, and then we lost Chewy this year, too. So it's been a rough year, you know? It really has. But now we have these two little things. Yeah, but you didn't wait. So when you put him in the car, you're like, what did you do? Get an old dog? Where did they come from? Because you put him in the car. You didn't, yeah, didn't see what they look, were. I had no idea what they looked like. They didn't make a sound. Even in the truck. Yeah, not a sound. Was it like a completely silent ride home with you and Almost. Tina? Almost. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even imagine that. I was, I was like beside myself. <laughs> and meanwhile, then, then everybody. Realize, meanwhile, she's texting me. And she goes, "I don't think I need a divorce attorney." <laughs> yeah, because everybody was texting me. Kathy it's House okay. was sending okay. me texts. It's okay, Rick. I know was a good divorce lawyer. I'm always the last one to know, Karen. I, I am. I'm like I, at the end of the. Well, there was no way you were gonna say yes to it. I probably would have done the same thing if I were her. I mean, so if she waited for your consent on this, it would have been a forever thing. So you do she, realize. she had to just shock you into the situation. You do realize any, if, if this would have been anything other than two puppies, I mean, how, not, nothing like pulling someone's strings. How can you say no? 
After, I, after you see them, she knew how, could you, how could you say of no? Course. Now they're already here. They're from, right. Oh, by the way, they're from Florida. We're not quite sure if they understand English yet. <laughs> <laughs> no offense. All they speak English. Out there because, you know. Well, the only reason Rick says that, my mother... Uh, she speaks English, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Just speaks German too. But I'm saying, so proper. yeah. But what we're talking about is when she first got her dog. We'll talk about this real quick. She always had Pomeranians. So because she volunteers at the Humane Society, she's like, look, if you ever get another Pomeranian that comes in as a rescue, I want him or her, whatever. So a few hilarious. years ago, my mom goes, okay, I'm getting. They have a Pomeranian. Come on, Tina Rick, come with me to pick him up. And I'm going to call him. What's his name? Idiot. I can't say it on the air. BJ. No, that was the oh, dead that was cat. The big cat. Yeah, and, and then my mom calls Sammy. the cat BJ. BJ. She called Just, it's Sammy. You, you, Karen's making a face. She's like yelling this, this cat she got as a rescue. Big Jim. Calling him a BJ. But it's, it's, it's Big Jim. Mm hmm. <laughs> yeah. No, his name is Sammy, this little thing. He looks like a. Go ahead. He looked right. so. We're when, talking when about we, the Pomeranian, the, right? Yeah, yeah. So when we go to the Humane Society in Fort Lauderdale, I look at the dog. I look at her, and I go, "That's not a Pomeranian. No way. No it way. Like a fox. It's not a pom. It, it looks like a fox. Because he's he's kind of medium size, and he's got thick legs. He looks like a Pomeranian, but, but no. you can tell a Pomeranian yeah. has little dainty a little bit taller, legs. Like he's Diesel. Yeah. <laughs> he's a big. He's a big. So, pom. what we found out, he he doesn't he didn't speak English. Yeah, so the Cubans or someone must have had him that spoke Spanish or Hispanic of some sort, right? And he did not understand a word of English. Oh, and he a was dog. a terror. He would run around and he was lightning fast. And then we tell my mother what he is. He's a German Spitz. So for people listening out there, never get that dog. Because if you read about that dog, it says, Independent mind will never listen. The world's hardest dog to train. Yeah, my, that my black dog. poodle was pretty independent thinking too. I had a standard black poodle man. He it's was just, tough. he was, tough. he was oh. just, you know, he was in charge. When he was the prince. Earth, you, you, yeah, yeah. You can't do anything. Um, yeah, but this one, when she got him, but oh I, my goodness. I've taught my dogs Armenian words. Like they know certain Armenian. Of commands. course you have. Yes, I, I have. <laughs> so they're bilingual, my dog. I bet they are. Yeah, but this her dog. Let me tell you how lazy he was. He needed exercise. We go down there he'd stop at the end of the driveway of her condo uh, he had a limit of where he was going he's like too bad when, and the, when we left he had no fur on his butt from us dragging him across the <laughs> intersection no not really i'm just joking. we made him move. But we just made him keep my walking. mom kept and saying, then when we left he was like he was ready to go every day she was like oh my god and her mom oh my, my goodness he's got me walking all the way up the street well because we did that with him yeah he just and wanted to walk to the corner to and like turn right. around he and he it. sat his butt down right. but back to what it. the ex excitement was the two little two little ones so when they're rick adorable. opened it up they're, they're adorable she she it wasn't fair it just wasn't not it's like, I can't even explain well, it. Well, it's kind of emotional blackmail. Yeah, 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 there you go. Yes. You should come to expect that from a seasoned litigator. Not even that I got to, I didn't even get the chance to argue my side of it because she just, it was just like, as a matter of fact, yep, here's your, they're, my, they're your puppies, name them. So then. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So them. let's like, before we get to the name, let's oh. say you're listening live to Karen, Tina, and Rick and Tim as our general co-host. 
we're live. If you'd like to call in and ask us any random question, 315-656-2231. 656-2231. And this can't Sometimes, be construed as attorney advertising. Just it, so you know. Right, when we talk about legal yeah. stuff. Yeah, legal. Which but, we haven't really legal, yet. Legal beagle. Right, so We're now... We're talking about the beagle stuff. Now. So, <laughs> oh, back to... Legal, can I touch base on this real quick? Well, like, then you got to talk about those pups again because we want to okay, give some tips. The, finish the pups. Finish All the right, pups. so... Finish. So when they come out of the thing, Rick looks at him. I call Rick's father over, and Rick's like, you can't make him come over. It's after 7 o'clock. So he knew, too. No, he didn't know. No, Rick's dad didn't know. So I, I knew Rick. I'm sorry. I knew Rick. I, I knew. Everybody I know. know. So wait a minute. So with Rick's dad, you're not going to make... You're not going to make my dad come across the street. And I go, oh, yes, I am. I go, oh, hi, Joe. Come across the street. I don't care if you're naked or not. Just make sure you come over now. Because I'll be right there. <laughs> my dad. Oh, my God. There, that's like, funny. Lightning fast. Lightning fast. And then he looked at the dog. What's the He's next, thing you know, he, next thing you know, he's on the floor doing the worm, and these dogs are jumping all. Oh, that's great. that's great! So, but they're teeny tiny. So, something we did discover about them, and it's a training tip, is the woman that we got the two puppies from. They're first of all, they're mishmashes. One's black and white, and he's a poodle Maltese Shih Tzu blend, and the other's a Yorkie Shih Tzu. Shih Tzu. So they're going to be little dogs. And what this woman did to train them, because most dogs are unruly and we've all had little dogs, these guys are so great. So she has a training thing. If you're, she doesn't want dogs put in um, dog carriers, she believes they should be in a pen. She's like, how would you like to be in a dog carrier all day? So we ended up getting a playpen from Walmart for little toddlers. And then we had this little puppy pad that's plastic with Greats. I've never seen this before. Have you, Rick? Usually people put down newspapers and newspapers when dogs pee on it that smells. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> if, if your little boy toddler wants to pee, he can pee in the grate. So we set it up like the woman did. So then we looked at the video. Well, she treats the pet, the, the puppies, like birds. So she never contained them in little cages. She did like all this separation thing with them, but if they barked, she'd cover them up with a blanket and then... Not them. The, the, just threw a blanket, blanket over, over them. But to they make them go the quiet and then if she lift the blanket up, they cry again, she'd put it down. So that way they know when they go in their little playpen they're, they need to be quiet. But they know when they come out, they can act like wild maniacs. So I've never seen two little dogs speed around the joint they're so well they're, they are very well behaved little dogs they truly are they're, they're, they're just they're are great. they allowed on the furniture not if no, we're not no, holding no, them no. he king can go on there but not them no. the king. but they don't bark either that's the best part about them and then now, do they sleep with you no. Heck no they're in that little pen and they're quiet once they go in there they know to self-entertain there's not enough room the snozzle gets two-thirds of the king-size bed Right, but then, like Tim experienced it today, they'll go outside, they poop and pee out there. They're only three and four months old. Yeah, so whatever really this well. woman did, she pre-trained them. She has like rules, don't let them bite. Don't teach them bad habits out of the gate. The only thing Rick and I haven't started to do is like brush their little teeth. But for puppies, have you ever they're, seen this they're before? so well behaved. It's bizarro, Karen, if they were here, 
they would be fighting with each other, and then they'd quiet and they'd sit they'll, down. They'll sit right down, lay right down right next to you. It won't make a sound. So mellow. Very, very calm dogs. It's great. Really so great. then, so go back to how Rick said he was going to name them. What do you think we named them, Karen? Because you haven't heard any name selections. You saw what they look like. I have no idea, t Tina. I couldn't even begin to guess what you would name your dog. I mean, Snozzle well, was, was pretty good. That was a Rick Beard. That was awesome. It, it was so fitting for him. So, finally, we've been coming up with different kinds of names. So, Rick, last night when we got back from the office, he goes, I got a name. We're going to call the black and white one Eddie. Edgar. Edgar. Like Edgar Winner. Oh, Edgar's cool. That's a cool name. Yeah, I yeah. like it. I yeah, but I prefer Eddie Van Halen because he looks like he has that poofy black hair. thing over his eye and yeah. his white eye. He's actually got white eyelashes. Wow. So, he's half albino. It's, it's, wow. It looks yeah, but I'd rather call him Eddie. And then the other one, because he's so spastic, we're calling him Tweak. <laughs> I think that he played in Auburn this summer, by the way. Edgar Winter? Yes. Did you go see him? Well, no, Edward's I can't remember why I couldn't, but he was in the in the park at Emerson Park. I saw really? that. Really? Yeah, we got to catch it next time he... They, wow. The Auburn uh, I'm public theater him. people. <laughs> Frankenstein's the world's largest song. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, just by telling you. That. Says the I musician. Mean, no, I mean Edgar Winter looks cool, and he's at least he and his brother are still alive. So but I original. mean, yeah, they're just pretty so talented. Original, I don't real, agree. Real musicians. I know. Now we oh, do we can fight. Good. Yeah, really. I'll hey, go with hey, Karen. I'm into. Give me my old hair bands, where the men are all like five feet tall. <laughs> where when Tina was younger, I said she looked like. Blondie or Pat Benatar. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Gross. Yeah, for, for sure. You did. I look like Blondie? Yeah, not Blondie. Maybe not Blondie. I'd say more like Alita Ford. Oh, yeah. 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 Had big yeah. hair. Yeah, big hair. Big hair, little top. Right. <laughs> right. So, about the puppies. So, the other one's Tweak from South Park. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, it fits him because he's just... He's nuts and he's ultra he's there, smart. Like, like he's ricochet. But this is one of the things I, I was talking to some people that came by the office yesterday. They got a little puppy from out of town. Also, right. there's an issue. I don't know what's up with Central New York. Central New York does not have little dogs. Little dogs do not exist. No puppies. Most people should have. If you live in a if you live in a house and you're a single person, you don't need a jumbo dog. Look, you're prisoner, right, Karen? You right. got big poops. You got to clean up, and right. it's a lot of work. Right, with it's little dogs. It's just That's worth choice. It. Yes. Same with me. Right, you have a giant dog. Now you wish you had those I little do. guys. <laughs> the little guys are special. What would you rather do? Put up with poop or just clean up some poop? Who would you rather do? That's a big decision. Right there. Now, what happens if yeah. you and Rick ever broke up? Who would get the dogs? Oh, hey now. Well, I'm Karen. taking Snozzle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I thought I'd ricochet back to a legal issue. Goes back to that will thing. Huh? Oh yeah. no, no, not even the well. well let's talk about the will thing. thing. A will in a will situation too. All right, but let's talk about Karen and I've had cases. Hold on. Before we what? do that, can, it, can we just stop for one second? And don't break us up. Stop that, Karen. I'd like <laughs> I didn't know. It's just a hypothetical. I don't want to know. I'd just like to uh, say congratulations to a couple people um, Jeff Shiano, Shiano uh, for Town of Clay Judge, and Tom Benedetto for Family Court out in Oswego County. Congratulations. Uh, very 
well-deserved Crisis averted. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But no, congratulations, really. That's fantastic. And now, what do you know about the, the Supreme Court run? And then we're going to uh, talk about that. Clark yeah, uh, ran one. away with it, for sure. Then um, Bob Antonacci came in second, and Joseph Lamondola came in third. All, all great. So it's all picks. confirmed now? Yes. Right on. Okay. Another crisis averted. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Look, sure. everybody's so, shaking their anyway, heads. Anyway, back to the legal issue. So let's Not talk you, about but pets. what if somebody dies or does break up? What happens to their pets? Well, I I've see so couple... many. I see so many ads for abandoned pets because of the breakup, or because they're too old to take care of them, or because they've died and there's nobody to take them. Yeah, that is horrible. You see that now. I've yeah. seen a lot of posts on Facebook where the owners passed away. And that's tragic because typically, it's, if it's an elderly person, they usually have a dog that's a little elderly also. So that's twice as that's twice as much damage done. To, you know, the dog is so traumatized. You really have to try to provide uh, provide for that situation. I think while you're alive, and talk to somebody in case something happens, and and trust a friend, somebody you can rely on that knows your pet. But then when it comes to divorces. I mean, I've had it several times. You put it in a opt-out agreement that they either are going to share custody because they have kids and the dog travels with the children. Yeah, my experience has been tragic. It's been uh, situations where they just treat the pet like property, and the person that basically has possession isn't going to be asked to let go of it. I've had some horrible women who've had the dogs. They turned around and stuck the dogs in the pound just to be vindictive. I've seen that happen too. And thankfully, my clients are like, they scoured for their pets and they pulled the dogs out of the pound, paid the fee, re-registered the dogs so they're in their names. But please, people, need to not really? do that. That's horrible. But there's no protection. I know Nick Martino, a local attorney, does a lot for the animals, but guess what? I think that goes to abuse too. If you want to be vindictive in a in a separation, even if you're not married, and you're gonna take that person's dog and stick it in a pound or put it to sleep, Rick had his ex-wife do that. Put us put the put their little dog to sleep without calling him. I mean, it's disgusting. You know, there's a lot of issues that you can take care of um, while you're getting along. Um, in, a, in, a, in a marital situation uh, or premarital situation and you can provide for all of these things uh, while you're getting along so that there isn't a conflict later. I would say interesting bringing it up. I have two friends uh, back in, in Olean, uh, a gay couple, they got divorced and they literally have a, and they followed a family court order for visitation and custody of their puppy. It's literally written, they have a 50-50 shared, visitation schedule and support for each where it goes and monies and it's really funny to read but yeah, I give them mad props for being able to do well, it. I did a little research on it. Some states are providing for it in, in matrimonial situations. I know in Fort Lauderdale my mother had a friend. The dog was in the will. Even though the dog was going to live at the Humane Society the dog lived the luxury, life of luxury because... And so. <laughs> the better than most people. That's great. Right. The live. dog had a, hand, a personal handler. That's great. But I don't even know. Um, so back <coughs> to some happy stuff. Um, right. No. Well, no. Let's talk more about legal, and then we're done with it. All right. 
I, when we talked last week about wills, people need wills. Like we're three offenders in the room. We don't have wills. Um, and things could go wrong in a blink of an eye and you need to be prepared. But besides that, um, I think we need to start putting, and I don't know if some of the family court judges or court attorney referees are gonna allow to do us in family law, put in orders of custody. What's gonna happen if a parent predeceases the other parent? Are the parents going to agree that, you know, paternal grandmother, if, if the son dies or maternal grandmother is going to step in the shoes of that parent? Or are they going to say, that they're going to be able to petition the court, but we'll maintain status quo. There needs to be something because these grandparents are left in the lurch if a child dies, if their well, own child dies. I don't, I don't think... I've got a good legal question towards that. So here, in my situation, now, Carter, my son, his mother still has, you know, her legal rights, right? Now, I have sole custody, sole placement. Now, if I die, what, what do I have legally backing me I could put in there, I want him to live with his, my parents. Or I could put in there, I want him to... But that doesn't mean it has to be honored. She's his mom. No, and I'm afraid if after your death, family court wouldn't have... She could revoke that permission in family court. Mm -hmm. and Any agreement you make, they concerns. wouldn't be able to enforce it. Because there's major concerns with this woman. So it's like... No, I think you have to have other people... My, my feeling on this has been... You have to have other people ready, like a little army, standing in line to petition for custody and to make a case that although she's the biological parent that she really is unfit and doesn't have and has not been part of the custodial uh, primary custodial environment or you're going to have the situation where maybe they're going to argue because the grandparents or the relatives were alienated right why should they step in the shoes of my deceased child the deceased parent when in fact the other parent had something to do with it or these people they always wanted to have a relationship they shouldn't be penalized like everything else it's what complicated about that the fostering the like that yeah but oh well now they're requiring parents if you want to be the custodial parent one of the cases says that the custodial parent not only needs to foster the relationship with the parent but the extended family absolutely you know it only makes sense yeah. Really. yeah, part of the part of the condition of being a custodial parent has always been that the ability to foster a positive relationship with the other parent, and and I would assume that would extend to whoever they uh, their extended family as well. Well, when you're given the opportunity. Right, but there you go. Yeah. But I think there needs to be guidelines. That article I found from what Psychology Today it was talking about parental alienation, and what actually has to happen. Right. Because some of these parents, they say, it's not my fault. They don't want to go. I can't right. make them. And it's over and over and over again. And people are in court for what? Just to hear the judge say, well, you know, what am I going to do? They're 16, 15, 14, 13, 12. Can't make them go. What would you like me to do? Have Grab them by the arm and yank them out of the car? Right. And they can't. I'm not going to. Then they have a runaway situation on their hands. Or if they don't. But that's why I'm saying that article. Did you read it? Yes, I did. So what do you think about they, one of the recommendations they said? Did you read that article too, Rick? Well, give the listeners a little idea of what you're talking the, about. There was an article in psychologi psychologically, Psychology Today that I posted on my Facebook page 
that talked about parental alienation and it was talking about what needs to happen if it's occurring and one of the things it said was the child needs to live with the other parent for what three months no contact with the other parent so pretty much it goes to deprogramming the children were brainwashed and you have to give them time to realize the the alienated parent isn't the monster so you, didn't you see that mm -hmm. got an opinion uh, I think parental alienation is is akin to child abuse right but I'm saying Period. whatever your thoughts of that the court needs to step in and say okay Johnny doesn't want to go well guess what dad or grandma whoever is on the other side or mom three months no contact other parent till we get this kid back on track but that's not going to be okay with the kid you see the, no but that's they they said again, the children would be okay so they are fed a, a bunch of psychological standpoint okay yeah, right so in, in, in the article it's absolutely right you're not damaging the kid okay by by intervening and doing what tina's talking about you're, you're not the damage has you are undoing damage okay one of the things that we forget about in, in family court and a lot of these things is we get too touchy-feely and we get too oh the kids are gonna be broken kids are very resilient okay very resilient and they're a lot tougher than we give them credit for and this they're guy, also a lot more knowledgeable than we give them and credit. I don't disagree with Tim because Santo Bentevania a psychologist out of Rochester his philosophy is the same thing. Those kids, give them two weeks with the other parent, they're fine, they adjust. And that's exactly and I, the truth. But that's also a generalization. I think you have to take it case by case. I don't agree with that but as a generalization. There may be reasons that the child's alienated from the other parent that may not have to do with, here's what happens. When you're together, the different personalities of the parents and their effects on the children don't, uh, aren't a problem because the two parents are together, okay? That only resonates when they break up and the kid that didn't really get along with one of the parents, even when they were together, shouldn't be forced into, the, into that parent's uh, soul situation when they break up. I'm sorry, especially if they're like 16. They're like, no, I don't want to do it. I don't want to go where he drags me. I don't want to have to deal with his uh, side of the family. It was hell when they were married. Do you really think I want to deal with it without my mother there to intervene? So you have to take each... Intervene for what? So I just had a hearing about this. I mean, this. because you're over... I think it's an overgeneralization to say, just so, throw them into no, the situation. No, but Karen, so say as a parent, like a dad, like Rick, is critical of a child, critical of a daughter of how she dresses. So now that gets amplified a hundred times over when they separate. He criticized me, my makeup, my friends, my clothes. He, I didn't like him. He, but, he was disrespectful. To make a point about being together, um, being together uh, as a couple, as parents, uh, and having kids, there could be clear separation. There could be sides and and and, and, and things that paths that are already chosen and set in place while you're together. Yes. Look, I was married 21 years. We talked um, about it, this, it, right? It, it, it happens. It, yes. It, 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 there's, there's clear signs that sides have been taken, and at the end of the day, when it's all laid out on the table, you'll see what side you stand on. And it's not good. And you shouldn't make a kid 
line up with one parent who's always agreeable and sympathetic if you're trying to discipline a kid. One's running, the one parent's saying, hey dad, discipline your kid, then dad disciplines, and then the, the other parent's stepping in, oh, you didn't have to be so harsh in front of the child. So then the child's running back to the other parent. Yeah, I think one of the things that we have to look at too is like, Karen was saying, you know, he was, I mean, yeah, case by case. I mean, if we're looking at a family here where dad's an abusive alcoholic, that's why they're divorced. Exactly. That's completely different. But we're talking about parental, you know, the, the actual parental alienation where it's being used for weaponizing children to hurt the other side. You know, that that piece that's, is different. I agree with and, you, And Tim. one of the things that I, you know, I bring to, the, to here is the major problem we have is that there is no ability or perhaps they just don't want to. There's no enforceability of a court order. There has to be a component somewhere that when the opposite party violates that, hold them in contempt. There's real consequences. What we get now is, well, well you know what we'll do? We'll modify it. Yeah. No, you you did something wrong, we'll just bend That's the rules for it. you now. But back to alienation, my understanding and my concept is it's an extreme situation where the child's perception of the other parent and dislike for the other parent is clearly not coming from the child and you can yes. tell so when that is going on that's a whole different story and and now you've got a situation where that child is their child has been subjected to what i consider abuse because anybody that makes another parent out to be a monster in a child's mind that unfairly okay and and uh all to weaponize the custody situation shouldn't be alone with that child right so back to that so we're talking about normal people. I mean, I had a hearing, custodial, well, parental alienation. The person had a schedule. It was never abided by. The kid sat in the car with the mother. It's somebody we know. We had a hearing. She was held in contempt. You know what she did? Ran with the kid. So guess what? All for naught, she vaporized with the child. So guess what? How do you find a child? If you don't have the funds to hire a PI to look for the social security, what are you gonna do? So that's somebody, there was the consequence, you're held in you're contempt right. and right. you're gone. And you're gone. Right? I mean, you know, we know who this person is. But that person, they were a professional. That's why I'm saying your mate the court system has made professionals out to be villains. So they are fully capable. Like there's psychologists, I'm sure, out there that don't have custody of their kids because they've been villainized. I have another as uh, aspect of this. In situations where there isn't abuse on either party and, and one party is paying a child support, I really think that there needs to be a respect for that parent and, and that the child should, should really not be permitted to reject a parent that's supporting them. And even if they don't stay overnight, and even if they don't, but there needs to be proper contact, proper respect, and proper uh, acknowledgement that they don't have just one parent supporting them, and they may have personality differences with the other one, but a, a, pro a profound respect for the fact that they have another parent actually supporting them. And, does, and I know you don't pay to spend time with your child, but there does need to still be some kind of acknowledgement, in my opinion. Oh, and that's pretty old school thinking, but I, 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 I can't think of a situation that's uh, more negative or, or a negative uh, 
not only reflection on the parent, that's alienating in and of itself. You've got a parent supporting you, and you're saying to the child, but you can just completely disregard them. That's wrong. Well, and, that, and that the system permits to, that. Well, But that comes down to, and, and I've said it to, to clients that we see, there's no court in the world, there's no court order, there's nothing out there that's going to make someone be a good person. That's right. And you That's need right. to be a good person. So speaking about good persons, let's go back to And by funky. the way, none of that was legal advice, right, Tina? <laughs> no, it's just our opinion it's of what's going on. And it continues. Every day we're in court. Right. We have somebody that's going through it or we're recognizing, we're recognizing what those parents are doing and that it's going to develop into something where kids are going to reject one or the other parent. Recognize it before it happens. Right, and that's why mm -hmm. the push is have 50-50. Yes. Because you know what? That, I mean, I, I'm not biased. As a but starting point. As a starting point. I'm only a little bit biased because I just pri I primarily represent men, so I see it and I can recognize, look, there's great mothers, and then there's the alienator mothers. And as soon as I, I see the alienator mother, I'm like, you know what? You have nothing to lose. Take it all the way to the mat because you know what? She's trying to control you through the kids. She is outlining your daily plan with the kids. How many times, asking you, did the child, you know, little infant, how many times did Johnny poop today? Did you wipe him? Do you have enough? <laughs> right? They ask all these intimate questions as if a parent's incompetent. <laughs> So I'm just saying, you know right out of the gate. You know the ones that are relaxed. You know what? I have confidence that that's a parent. The person's not going to do something to hurt our kid. Well, it's obvious that's why they're not together anymore. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Yeah. They should have made a better decision and never had the child. So I'm sorry to take a talk about a life, but really, better decision. Yeah, but if you have a kid, you better... That's the problem Humans nowadays. We're sloppy at making decisions. We're horrible at making decisions. We can't make a good decision to save our own self. Right, but and it goes back to even with the alienators. Come on, they're all over Facebook looking for validation for their bad conduct. Ah, oh, look at him again. He's a deadbeat. Really, he's a deadbeat. Well, why'd you hook up with him? Or and it just gives them a stage to to put themselves up and and put their argument out there and actually have people that would support their argument. It, it just gives them that empowerment feeling. That, uh... And just so you know, Rick's not looking for validation when he posts all about his love for Trump. Trump, 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 <laughs> No, Trump. I'm a poker. Uh, <laughs> I, look. Karen's like, oh, uh, Jesus. Look, Karen, Karen and I, we do, we, we battle a little bit. But, but I mean, that's what I'm saying. Other. Rick's we not always, looking for we, validation. She knows, that, she knows that I care very much for her, and same goes for Vice her versa. And, but people take it. I'm back to, <laughs> I, I'm still, I didn't mean to jump back to this, but I'm still back when you bring up validation. I'm back to this one case I had, Tina, and I'm going to bring up a specific case that still bothers me to this day, where the mom was non was they had 50 50 then dad started to buy this and buy that and then, then bought a new house and who had a, he had great more a, a great deal more economic ability than the mother did and the next thing you know the kids are spending more and more time with the father because they got the better pad and less rules and then the dad is uh during this time telling them what a rotten you know some something or other the mother is because she decided to have after the divorce uh, a, a child with someone else and therefore she's this and she's that and horrible 
and I saw it in the text messages. Horrible things. They vilified this woman, that father did. Vilified her. And when the teenage daughter said, I don't want to see her anymore because of that, family court said that was okay. I went through a whole trial. Family court said that was okay because it was the mother's actions of, God forbid, having a child with someone else after the divorce caused the the, the daughter to resent her and not like her. And therefore, even though mom, you're paying support and you're doing everything you can to be a parent to this child, it's okay that she rejects you and vilifies you. Yeah, hey, don't worry. It's, how messed up is that? I have that how all messed up the is time. That? And that judge said it was okay. And that, that attorney for the child said, yeah, that mother deserves that beating. I mean, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. We had a memory through the other day about this? that we used to come into contact with, or she actually was work, working for Tina for a little bit. She went through the family court thing, and she was the mother that had to pay child support, and she was held over the barrel, and they threatened to rest on her. And that oh, poor, poor girl, Christine. Yep, they ha I had that happen, her, too. She took her own life. And that's right. not, and, and the I was just going to say, you can do that, and you watch what happens when these kids need their mother. Well, I guess what I'm getting at is Tim's Tim's aspect of the psychological effect on the children. They, they at some point need that other parent. They are at some point, whether it's a wedding, whether they a spouse dies, something's going to happen. Maybe not when they're children, but when they're older. Maybe the other parent dies. You, they're going to need that other parent, and the lack of recognition of that early on, I think, is very damaging. I look at it this way, okay, and this is what I have to say to people, and this isn't as a psychologist <coughs> or anything like that, and and. Not to bring it to me, but okay, my ex-wife killed my younger son. All right, my older son survived, so she killed his brother. Now I could be that guy, I, you know. And everybody says, "Why do you even let her in?" That's my son's mother. Okay, so I say to parents and I say to people in general, grow up, look at the bigger picture. If I can sit here and say, "That's my son's mom," for better or worse, I married her and had kids with her. Okay doesn't matter he loves her there is a connection there is a relationship there he is going to figure it out on his own whether he's going to resent her right. or not right i don't get involved when he says dad do you think my mom's a bad person i say no carter she made some bad choices but that's for you to figure out i still allow the visitation i still allow these things without getting involved in it and keeping okay? him safe and you also let the grandparents. I let the grandparents, they can take them whenever they want. They can go and do things. Because, you know, for me, it doesn't matter how I feel as a person toward this other person. I have to look at my son and I have to ask myself really simple questions. Okay. Is he safe? If I know the situation he's in right now, even with this woman, okay, they're supervised visits. I know when he's safe. Is he cared for? Are his needs being met? Is he being abused, maltreated? If, I, if he's not being those things, all right. But you made the decision at some point, Tim, that psychologically it was beneficial for your son to have a relationship with her despite her, her horrendous like misdeeds. I don't, I don't know that I could do that, and I'm wondering where you're coming from because with that. Because, like, like you said, when you're looking at children and child development, okay, even if you're looking at you know, the hierarchy of needs, as we develop as human beings, we have, it's like a triangle, a pyramid. We have certain needs and certain things and milestones as we develop that need to be met. 
it's when those things are not met that we start to see the disruptions and, and the psychological changes and disorders and things in children. And that's a, what affects them long term. Okay? So self-actualization. Wait, we don't have... Sorry to interrupt, Tom. You're fine. I was going to say, in terms of when you're talking about the kids... Um, I'm losing my thought because we only have five minutes left and Rick's flagging me. I know. There's, I, I could go on for hours. Anyway, it's part of the development. They need both parents. Oh, and, or they'll miss them. Right. Yes. And right. you don't want your right. child, like in Tim's situation, all of a sudden, if he's playing keep away and then the next thing you know, Carter's deciding, guess what? I'm going to go live with her. You know, it, it, they need that. It's, it goes to their sense of autonomy, their sense of self-worth. Those are the things you're looking at. So for me, the decision came very easily. I'm not my kid. I'm not going to do stuff that is going to impair his development. I'm going to keep him safe. I'm going to foster it. But the difference is, is I have a background in this. Right. You know, so, but that's what I'm looking at is what's best for my son, not what's best for me. What's best for my son? So, you're listening live to us on WVOA 87.7 FM. If you ever want to call in, and once we get our Facebook page up, it's 315-656-2231. And we have to do a plug for Rick. So if you want quality, well, tile with style, quality tile work in your home, 315-416-2800, And Karen Kanzadian, Miss Civil Litigation Queen, <laughs> who's been in practice for over 35 years, call her at 315-724-2900, 724-2900. At least Karen's focus is child-centered and yes and it's a passion yes and with me 315-407-3237 or 407 dads look as lawyers you'll see if you're looking for a lawyer you have to interview people get a vibe ask them about their billing practices and see if they're truly interested in you as a human if that's what you're looking for if you want somebody that's going to run your case like a big law firm just be wary. You're going to get billed for every second you communicate with that law firm. So a simple custody case where you gave that person maybe $1,500, you'll end up with a bill for ten grand. Just be wary of what you're doing when you have a lawyer. And how you're getting billed. Absolutely. Right. So just be aware. Do your homework. Make sure you know, you're not going to go to a car dealer and, and buy the first and car when you, you hand, see. And when you hand that money over, you're entitled to an itemization of what they've done for you. Oh, and right? speaking we're, of we're that. We're dealing with that situation with somebody right now. Speaking of that, let's just talk about some gimmicky names like bald. Does bald give you the, if just because you're bald, does that give you the qualifications to represent you in a matrimonial matter just because you're bald? Just remember, everybody, I mean, Karen shaking her head. No, I, yeah, I don't, know uh, whether I don't know which way to shake my head on that one. But I'm just saying, just be careful. And even with people, look, I've been doing this a long time. I've been representing primarily one sex so i understand i read a lot of stuff i care about my clients it's a different way to practice law so when you hear commercials of other lawyers just be just ask them how long they've been doing it why they're doing it is a bigger issue how are they going to bill you or are you going to just go to court and what's their strategy 
Yeah, you need to know. You don't want to be... What if this goes to trial? Are they good at going to trial or do they like to settle? You got to look at the numbers. That's see, right. References, see what the references say. Is this a lawyer that uh, usually tries to settle everything out of court without a trial? And if yours is kind of going to be nasty, you might want to get someone that's going to be pretty decent in court. Uh, you, you know, it's, uh, it's a big decision. And you want to find an attorney that's not afraid. Because sometimes as attorneys, we have to do things that we really feel uncomfortable, like filing motions to have judges recuse themselves. That's a big pill to swallow. However, we found this out at a CLE, and I already knew it, that if you don't bring that motion, guess what? If you're claiming your judge is biased against you, it's lost. So ask these lawyers. What, just kind of, what kinds of biases? If, can, you, can you go through them quickly? That'll work. Like, look, it, we, look one of the ones we, we heard at the CLE we went to on Tuesday was unwarranted, uncalled for commentary. That's what I'm getting. And one of them... We, we hear that a lot, don't we, Tina? Oh, yeah. And that's a biggie. When you hear a judge make snide or snarky comments during a proceeding, or if a litigant even, you know, maybe your client feels, oh my God, that judge doesn't like you, then it's time, you know what? So what's the procedure? So, you automatically just check him up? Right then and there, as soon as it comes No, out. you have to, you have to put, make, a motion. make a motion, put it in paper. The other thing that people don't like to do is, and I have, Karen doesn't even know this, I'll tell her off the air, but we also learned that you need to file motions to remove attorneys for the children. That is a new one. That's what the CLE was talking about. And guess what? In a yeah, few minutes. Well, yeah, uh, by the appellate division. And guess what? During a trial I just had this past Friday, I learned an attorney was making representations in court, an attorney for the child, and the child actually testified in a support proceeding. And I learned that attorney met with the child once. Didn't even recall what they talked about. Isn't that One time. Huh? Met with the child once outside of the... Met with the parent or the child? No, the child. The child... Oh. The child... Because... Some of the questioning was about, mm -hmm. you know, did you meet with, you had a, did you have a lawyer? Who was your lawyer? You know, what was, what was your suggestion of how this was going to happen? So the child testified that this lawyer met with them once at court and that was it. So I was kind of surprised. Now we have a record of one attorney that's local that met with a child once, which goes against that attorney for the child protocol you know what it is I, I i'm out I got, of the loop i gotta just say a funny story Go about on. judges and making snarky remarks and beating up on being up on their on a lawyer when i first started practice this, this is really quick a criminal defense attorney that i was shadowing and working under the judge um yelled at her so much about trying to make a record while she was trying to make a record that her client got scared and went out the window Wow. What? I'm not kidding wow. you. Went right out the window and tried to escape the courthouse. I gotta get out of here. I gotta get out of here. <laughs> so yeah, it can be bad. <laughs> that happens. Yeah, I mean, it's embarrassing. I yeah, mean, I know. Anyway, right, so we're wrap this up. I had to lighten things up a so little. So go ahead, Rick. Do the call out. You're listening to w VOA eighty VOA. You could sing it. Eighty-seven point seven FM. FM. You got Karen Kanzadian, Master Civil Later. Bennett, Esquire. 
Father's rights, Larry. Master family court attorney. Yeah, right. 315-407-DADS for me. 315. I got a 724-2900 for Karen. Shout out to our listeners, Eric. Uh, Appeaser Regional, my son Mitch. And uh, I hope Jake, there's more Alex, than like, like four people I hope there's <laughs> at a restaurant. <laughs> I know. Well, they're, they're for, for sure listening. Yeah, um, they're our big fans. So thank you. And, and uh, you'll see us next, next weekend. Week. Bye. Crap.